It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. When the game is over, the fun begins. Interviews, highlights, analysis, and your opinion. This is Overtime Open Line. Brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins, Reed Wilkins on Oilers on Radio. 630 Chad. Creep under three minutes to play here in the second period. Line a, a giveaway. Nugent Hopkins has it tapped. Pouliot, quick shot, score! Zach Cassian, top right corner, three, nothing. Edmonton, Cassian cashes in on the turnover and assist from Pouliot and Nugent Hopkins. Well, that was worth the wait. A game delayed almost two hours because of too much sunshine in Winnipeg goes the way of the Edmonton Oilers. 3-0 the final. The Cassian goal rounded out the scoring. All three goals by the Oilers in the second period. Letestu shorthanded and then Nurse out of the penalty box. Those goals just a minute 46 apart. And Cam Talbot keeps rolling. A week ago tonight... Had a rough outing against the Buffalo Sabres. Since then, he's become a father of twins. He has three wins. He's only allowed three goals. 31 saves tonight. His 12th career shutout. Thanks a lot for joining us. It is 546 along with Rob Brown. I'm Reed Wilkins. It is... Canadian Brewhouse, overtime open line from the Terry Peranish Team Broadcast Centre. And Rob, we'll start with Talbot, and especially for him, very important in the first period tonight. He was, and you, you got to think that with the long delay they had, the, the, the goaltenders would have the, the hardest time starting out this game. And, and he didn't seem, to, didn't seem to bother him at all. He was outstanding in the first 20. The Oilers had probably about four or five breakdowns in the first 20 minutes that turned into odd man rushes or, def- or Winnipeg Jets behind the defensemen of the Oilers, getting good scoring chances. He looked calm. He looked cool. There was no rebounds. He was positioned. Uh, he's exactly what you needed. When you play on the road, your goalie has to be good, and he has to be good early. And it could have thrown him having to wait an extra two hours before the game started. Didn't seem to bother him at all. And I think that just shows the maturity of him as a starting goaltender and the uh, ability to just forget about everything that's happening around him and go out and play. And we've seen what he's done since the game where, you know, he gets pulled, thrown back in against Buffalo. We had people calling in saying, is Talbot a number one goalie? And since then, he's 3-0 and and brought two kids into the world. Well, I'm not sure he had a lot of work to do on that. But <laughs> he, uh, it, it's been a, a stressful type of week, and he's uh, responded uh, fantastic. And I think that's what you want to see in your starting goalie, and that's why, as you and I talked about, he's a starting goalie that we see playing uh, we don't see him coming out anytime soon. I don't see Talbot coming out until the Oilers have back-to-back games on November 5th and 6th on the road trip when they play the Islanders and Detroit. Uh, I mean, th- this week they play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's what's the rush to take him out? And, and the way he's playing and the way the team is playing in front of him, you don't want to mess with a good thing because the, this team is playing very good right now. They're getting... Uh, opportunistic goals. Their, their goaltending has been outstanding. They're off to a fantastic start to the season. You don't want to play with that. When when the opportunity comes for Gustafson to get in net, uh, he will get it. But right now, and I agree, I see, you look at the, the next three games, to me that's Talbot's three starts. 3 nothing. The Oilers take it. They are 5-1 and one on the season. The last time they were 5-1, and one, was the fall of 1985. They actually started 5-0 and and then lost their sixth game. So it has been a good start, and we'll see if they can keep it rolling. You can reach us, 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. We'll start off with Alex tonight. Hey, Alex, go ahead. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, you know, for uh, it seems like a long time, we've been looking for that goaltender and... For a lot of years, you know, our defense uh, wasn't very good, and now we seem to have some solid D back there. And we're getting some balanced scoring here, you know, from the third and fourth lines. And life is good, you know. I'm not scared to turn on the TV anymore, and I'm definitely not scared about Washington or anyone else. I know it's early in the season, and uh, 
But I also want to make a comment about Winnipeg. What a drag, eh? I mean, that would be like like for everyone to go to the Commonwealth Stadium and then you get shut out by 3 nothing from the visiting team. And uh, I, I hear that 50-50 draw was pretty high. That must have been the only thing exciting for those Winnipeg Jets fans. And, yeah, I think and, I saw uh, the, the winning. Sorry, I'll just jump in there quickly. I think the winning total... Uh, was just over two hundred thousand dollars for the winner, so they sold four hundred thousand dollars worth of tickets. Well, that's good for the <laughs> for the winner. And uh, and how about Talbot though? Eh? Yeah, I, I love uh, listening to your show on the radio and the comments about Talbot. You know, having a couple of uh, kids, you know, and stuff, and three and zero on the uh, the weekend. Uh, couldn't be more uh, proud as an Oiler fan for him. Right on, Alex. Thanks a lot for calling. Well, I know people are already speculating that. Cam Talbot might be the first star of the week in the NHL. We'll see. But Connor McDavid was the first star for the first week of the season, so that'd be something if it was two Oilers to start off. But that's what happens when you win. They tend to get individual awards uh, coming along with it. And, and talk about winning. That guy that won $200,000, I can see him going home tonight and say, honey, you won't believe it. I won $25,000 today in a 50-50 <laughs> thing. Isn't that awesome? Here's 12000 Let's share it. Uh, no, I mean, Talbot's been outstanding. And uh, the, the gentleman that just called said it's, uh, it's about time, but it, it, it's a combination of things. I think the Oilers have had some goaltenders in the past. So the Devin Dubnik, for example, that was a strong goaltender, had nobody playing in front of him. Uh, now they, the Oilers have gotten Talbot, who over the year, well, I guess a year and a bit, has shown that he is capable of doing this. And the Oilers are much better on the back end. You know, they've got, you know, their top four are strong. Uh, the the third pairing of, of Gribe and Nurse, well, had a little struggles early in the game tonight, but they were also playing their penalty killing. They're out there late in the hockey game, and I thought they got stronger as the game went on. So the, the goaltending and the defense are much better than they have been in the past. And then you got McDavid up front driving the bus for their offense. So this team is taking huge steps forward. It is only six games into the season, but I tell you, it's a much more exciting six games, and the, the future of this season looks much better than it has in a long, long time here. Connor McDavid got an assist. He has nine points in six games. Another little side note, Jordan Everly held off the score sheet, so his point streak ends after five games, but the Oilers will take the win. 3 nothing over the Jets. We have Greg on the line, 780-496-0063. Hi, Greg. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. Uh, McDavid only got one point. I think we should trade him for Taylor Hall and uh, get this bus uh, righted here. So, um, But uh, I wanted to comment about, I think Pitlick looked really good uh, the last few games. And I don't know if you guys, um, uh, if you rewatch the game or whatever, Griba is a monster in front of that net. He ran guys in front of that net and cleared out the trash on a lot of plays tonight. And that's really nice to see that we have, you know, a bigger, solid, more defensive core that's that big that they can do that and it's really nice to see um, it's too early for me yet to I, I, I'm going to give it 15 games to see where the Oilers are at and then I'm going to make my decision but good start so far and Cal, Cam Talbot's playing awesome and I'll let you guys go. Right on Greg well first of all on Griba I mean you and I noticed uh, a couple times in the third period he just uh, like leveled guys in front of the net well he led the team with six hits and his physicality is why he's on the team he, he he, the Oilers missed the meanness when he wasn't around. And if you're looking at a Griba or a Fane, both slow of foot, neither are going to scare you with an offensive play. But one of them plays a, a little on the softer side, and the other plays a little on the aggressive side. And is the aggressive one. He's mean. Sometimes he puts himself out of position with a hit, but when, you, when, when you're the opposition and Griba's on the ice, you know he's on the ice because you know that you must have your head up. So I don't know if fear is the word you say, but you are knowing where Gribe is at all times. And what I like about the Oilers right now with their role players is they understand their roles. And the caller just talked about Pitlick. Pitlick only played 749 tonight, but he understands his role. He's a guy, I'm going to get the pucks in deep when I'm out there, pucks out, I'm going to block shots, and I'm going to get in on the forecheck if I can be physical if I can. Gribe, I'm going to be physical I'm on the ice. Lander now, learning that his role is going to be a fourth-line type of player. Win face-offs, get the pucks in on four checks. Once players accept their roles, they can start to excel at their roles. And I think that's what you're seeing now with the Oilers, more so than in years gone by where players weren't always happy in the role that they were cast in. This team seems to be more accepting of where they are, and they're starting to excel at those roles. 
Every Oiler had at least one shot on goal tonight. Just, I saw that just too. Just notice that. 32-31 were the shots in favor of Edmonton. I should say this, and uh, you know, we all know that if you want to call it score effects or, or whatever, when a team is down, especially three or four goals, often they wind up with more shots in the end because they're just shooting from center, bad angles. There was a point in the third period where the Oilers were out shooting the Jets 9-2. I mean, it was it was weird to me to see that because I was like, okay, not only do the Oilers have the lead here, they they are suffocating the game. Like the Jets, the Jets really didn't get any shots till McDavid got the penalty late in the game. Yeah, well, the Oilers are starting to learn what it takes to win a hockey game. There there were so many times before where the Oilers would get a lead, and a they would either sit back or b they continue going forward but recklessly, and right now they're just playing a smart game. They got pucks in deep. If there was an opportunity for a chance to take it to the net, they did. They The defenseman would ignore, or recognize if they had a high man in the def- offensive zone. If they had a high man, they would pinch, knowing that the forward would take their spot. So they played smart. And a lot of it is them learning how to win, but the, the, the teaching of Todd McClellan and the coaching staff, showing them, here's how we handle this situation. And now the Oilers seem to be getting in those situations. They're having success, and now you buy in. Because when you have success, you buy into what you're being told. Well, and I think that composure, Rob, might be our adjustment of the game brought to you by Alberta's chiropractors. Life is the roughest game of all. Feel better, move better, live better. With help from your chiropractor, visit albertachiro.com. There are going to be tough nights. There's probably going to be a couple games similar to Buffalo mm-hmm. the rest of the way. There's going to be tough period. And the first period was not very good tonight for the Oilers. They were getting beat to a lot of pucks. Um, the scoring chances were, were greatly in favor of the Jets. But they're showing the ability to to recover from those tough parts of the game, and then and then finish their chances. Like like Latesto and Nurse, who aren't going to score a lot this season, but they get on the board today. Well, there's, as you started with by saying, there's going to be tough nights. All teams have tough nights. The Pittsburgh Penguins won the Stanley Cup last year. If you go back through their season last year, they well, had a they number. Fired their coach. Yeah, they had a number <laughs> of tough nights. It's how you rebound from them, how you respond to them. And the Oilers responded very well. They got embarrassed on home ice. They were booed. There was phone calls in saying, uh-oh, same old Oilers again, Oilers again, questioning their goaltending, questioning their defense. And since then, they've rung off three street victories, including against a couple teams that they would have struggled against in the past, big, strong teams. Their goalie has been great, and they've got secondary scoring. So the Oilers have responded very well to uh, to getting kicked on on home ice by a Buffalo team that was without most of its best players. We're going to have post-game reaction from Winnipeg as we move along tonight. We'll go to Nathan on the phone lines first, though. Hi, Nathan. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. Awesome. Glad to uh, glad to talk to you guys again. Um, yeah, you know what? Uh, I'm just going to uh, um, start with a positive and go to a negative and try to end with a positive, if that's okay. But um, really happy for the boys. You know, really, really happy for them. It's been a long time. Happy for us fans. Um been a long time since we could actually uh um as one of your previous callers mentioned not be afraid to tune in and and uh um that's that's the truth um so it's it's a really nice turnaround and and hope that it continues um in regards to the play um kind of noticing that you know the oilers and, and the games are turning out to to be a lot like golf you know where you just you can't seem to put everything together on on the same day you know you'll have you'll have you'll have two out of three that you can that you can knock out of the park but um for me it's the defense is a lot stronger um depending a lot on on a new guy like russell to block shots and play really well uh, a healthy cleft bomb larson's playing really well but uh the forwards um you know like seem to be seem to be not doing it so often but when they are missing assignments it's really setting the opposition up for a, a grade A scoring chance, like right in the slot coming down the lane. And I don't know if it's something that, you know, you, Rob, are noticing and, and Reed or, you know, but I'm really picking up a lot on that where it's it's not the amount of the chances this year, but it's the, it's the grade A quality of those. Well, you're right. There have been a number, and we saw that tonight in the game in the first period. And, and the game against Carolina, uh, the, the Oilers won. I mean, once again, that was on Talbot early in the game as Carolina in the first period I, I think I counted seven or eight odd man rushes against and a lot of those were forwards missing assignments and it's something that Todd McClellan's talked about he said I think they were three and one on the season at that point and he said I, I'm not happy with the way the team's played I'm happy with the way 
our record looks, but we have to be better. They were better against St. Louis. They were better again tonight. There were some breakdowns in today's game as well. Uh, and it's always going to be that. It's, uh, I don't, it's very rare that you see the perfect game. I mean, we've, we've seen some teams that the Oilers have played against. St. Louis has got a very good hockey club. They had breakdowns. So all teams have breakdowns. You want to clean it up as much as you can. And to me, the biggest thing is understanding your assignment, understanding where your defensive responsibilities are, and, and adapting to changes where there's a bad bounce. Because the Oilers this year, to me, it's not the work ethic. It's not uh, a, a lack of skill. To me, it's just the mistakes that have been made have been missed assignments. So that's something that they, over the course, hopefully, of the practices as the season goes along, they understand their assignments much better so they don't have the big breakdowns in the grade-A scoring chances that you were talking about. Nathan, thanks for calling. Brian and Dean are up next on the phone lines. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. Oilers win the Heritage Classic 3-0 over the Jets. Shutout, he's the first star. Cassian picked as the second star. Mark Letestu with a shorthanded game winner for the second time this season is the third star and our fourth star is courtesy of Missioner Allen Auctioneering check out maauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates I I thought Adam Larson had a strong game tonight played 20 minutes, was plus 2, second on the team with 4 hits and anytime your top defensive pairing shuts down the other team's top players, and they did that tonight, they must have played well. So in a game where you could have picked a lot of different players, because the others did play well, I thought Adam Larson was the four-star of the game. Right on. We have Brian on the open line. Hey, Brian. Hey, good evening, guys. Get it. Hello. Hello. Oh, you can hear me? Yeah. How you doing? Good, good. I uh, just wanted to start off by saying uh, give congratulations to Winnipeg for putting on such a good show. First of all, um, and uh, I wanted to also you know, give uh, give dibs to the Oilers for, for the start uh, of the season that they're having. Um, and I kind of wanted to just make a make a point of I think Rob mentioned it about secondary scoring of the Oilers. We're definitely getting some some guys that are contributing, and it really is helping. Uh, it's really helping because the other teams are not able to, you know, just zero in on, let's say, McDavid, you know, because the, because the other, there's other guys, there's other lines that are going. And uh, particularly, I'm, I, I'm really happy for Tyler Pitlick because uh, I know the struggles that he's had the first few years as an oiler with all the injuries. Uh, so I want to get your thoughts on that. Well, Pitlick's playing well. He's, pl- he's playing with a lot of energy. And he's been able to finish the chances that he has. I mean, he has three goals in six games. Do I think he's going to score 41? No, I don't. But but you're right. That's another depth thing that's helped. And with Pitlick, I mean, now he's in a role where the Oilers have a little bit more depth. He can play on the fourth line. Rob mentioned, you know, seven minutes and 49 seconds isn't isn't a lot but you know he made them count and he's playing responsible so yeah i think good for pitlick and it creates some options and somebody texted in what happens when hendricks and packer in and come back if everybody's healthy and you know and slepeshev got moved out of the lineup tonight if you're just talking deserve slepeshev didn't deserve to come out of the lineup but they wanted polyarvi back in yeah, we can spe- we can speculate on what'll happen when Hendricks and Packer in and are healthy. If everybody else is healthy, awesome yeah. problem to have. As opposed yeah. to a lot of nights last year, where it was just like, well, our fourth line is kind of who's ever left over or whoever we could call up from the minors. And, and right. you and you talked about uh, you know secondary scoring. The Oilers are five and one right now in the season, and in this season, Nugent Hopkins has one assist. Pouliot has one point. You know, those were the guys that thought people thought would be on their second line. But you look down the lineup, you got Tyler Pitlick with three goals. You got Slepeshev with a goal. You got Letestu with a pair of goals. So that's where, it, 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 if you're going to be a team and if you're going to win as a team, you got to have guys that can pick up the slack when players are struggling. The Nugent Hopkins line, who I thought was better tonight, I thought Nugent had a pretty good game. They're not contributing offensively, and that's a team. That's a group that is on one of the power plays. But you've got the Latestus and the Pitlicks, guys that are on your fourth line. they got five goals between them. So secondary scoring has been huge. It has been sorely missed over the years here in Edmonton. But one of the big reasons right now the Oilers are 5-1 and one has been their secondary scoring. Thanks yeah. a lot, Brian. Yeah, you bet. Thanks. Appreciate it, buddy. 780-496-0063. And, yeah, the goal scorers tonight, if you missed it, Latestu, Nurse, and Cassian. 
and uh, Talbot gets the shutout. 3 nothing is the final. Uh, this texture says, who is this? This is Michael. He says, I'm guessing that on paper, Larson and Clefbaum are considered the Oilers' top pair, but I really think Russell and Secker are making a strong case as being the Oilers' best defenders. There are a lot of things I'm liking about Russell. Maybe his best attribute is that he seems to make Secker better. We still don't have a ton of depth on the back end, but it feels amazing to have a legitimate core. That's a text from Michael. Well, I think our top four is good. You know, Sacro was brought in to be the top pairing guy when he was signed here. Uh, but they've gone out. I, I believe Klepom and Larson will be get the lion's share of the play against the other team's top players. They've been good. Sacro and Russell have been very good. When, when Russell was signed here, to me personally, I thought that is a great signing. Just from watching him play with the Flames the last number of years, he's a guy who can skate, he can move the puck, he's not afraid to get into the dirty areas. I mean, the guy lays down and blocks everything. I'm like, I know the analytics didn't have him rated high, but I'm like, wow, everything I've seen about this guy has been a positive. And what we've seen, and it's a small small sample size, it's only been six games, but in those six games, he's been strong. And the Oilers needed that. Now that pushes a Griba, it pushes a Nurse, uh, a Frain, or whoever else you want. It pushes them down into much easier minutes, manageable minutes. So... And I, I still believe Larson and Clefbaum are your top pairing, but I also believe that Sakra and Russell can be put out against anybody that the other teams throw against you, and you can feel confident with it. And I don't know if that's been in the past here in Edmonton where you felt you could put four defensemen out at any time and feel comfortable. Oilers win 3 nothing. Man, they needed a couple empty netters there in the last four minutes to get to the Japanese Village goal light. If the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn that on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. Then you can print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village, three locations, downtown, south side, and north side. I don't know about you guys watching at home or wherever you were watching, but Rob and I were hoping for Talbot to take a shot at the empty net because it was four <laughs> minutes left when Elba came out or an unusual scorer like Griba to get one. And then once McDavid got the penalty, I made the point, well, not, now maybe Latestu could get another shorthanded goal so he would have three at six games. They didn't get one, but uh, they do win at 3 nothing. We have Dean at 780-496-0063. Hey, Dean. Hey, uh, it's good though. There's uh, one game that really mattered in the standings. And uh, two other quick things I wanted to mention that were not really to tonight's game is Oilers power play. It seems like uh, when they enter the zone, they uh, do the top. It's really uh, and other power plays along the around the league and the others. Dean, I'm going to put you on hold because we're we're losing you there, and I think we lost the heart of the point you were trying to make. So, Kellen, can you just check Dean's connection and uh, and we'll bring him back in if it sounds a little better because he was asking a question there, but we couldn't quite uh, we couldn't quite hear it. Um, Nathan says, I want to say, this is on the text line, by the way, to 630-630. I wanted to say how refreshing it was to hear McClellan call out our boys after the horrible outing last weekend. Letting it go and allowing the team to slide down the standings is not an option. I'm a lifelong McClellan fan now, knowing that he's not a coddler and using tough love to keep our boys on track. Well, we heard him get pretty upset after a few games last year, though I do think he's... He's raised the standards a bit this year, and I think he's kind of like the teacher or a parent who's saying, okay, I've been through this before. This is not just the first or second time we've gone through this in practice. This is a a, a repeated lesson. So I I think maybe that might make his fuse a little shorter, if you want to put it that way. Well, there's a few things that I I love about Todd McCullen and his his post-game talks. For for one, he's, he's a guy that I can listen to after every game. And he's honest. Uh, he gives. Uh, I mean, even when he's mad, there's there's humor involved in his in his talks. But the biggest thing that, as a player, you want you want uh, truthfulness and accountability. There's a lot of coaches, and I've played for coaches. They'll tell you what you want to hear. You know, why aren't I playing tonight? Well, you know what? It is just simply a numbers game. Well, that's not truthfulness. There's a reason why someone's in instead of me, and I want to know, and a player wants to know, because what can I improve on to get back out there? What can I get better at that I can get on the power play? I can get more minutes. And Todd McCullen's been honest. And the accountability, if, if you're sitting on the bench, and all of a sudden someone goes out there and takes a couple silly penalties, and then you put him out again, now you're on the bench going, okay, seriously, I took one penalty, and I never got off the bench the rest of the game. He's taken two, not fair. 
And you have to have that straight across the board. Everyone is treated the same. Everyone must be held held accountable the same. Benoit Pouliot has been held accountable this year. Taylor Hall last year took a dumb penalty. I remember he got stapled to the bench. You hold players accountable for what their actions are. And that allows the entire team to see it. And the, the players respect that. And I think that Todd McClellan has is, is certainly got the respect of this team. And it, it not. It, it, I've been on a lot of teams. Sometimes you like the coach, but you don't. You know, I don't really respect him. Sometimes you respect the coach, but you can't stand him. I think Todd McClellan's got that rare ability to be liked and respected at the same time. And right now, he's got his team playing very, very well. Oilers win three nothing. That means a seventy-five dollar donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. Thanks to Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. They're given twenty-five bucks for every Oilers goal all season long. The Oilers are 5-1, a 3-0 win today. We'll keep going with your phone calls as we roll along. It's Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre. This is Overtime Open Line, brought to you by the Canadian Brewhouse. From the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Centre, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. A 3-0 decision in favour of the Edmonton Oilers. Camp Talbot, a 31-save shutout. Latestu shorthanded, Nurse and Cassian, the goal scorers all in the second period. Latestu's goal unassisted, Nurse from McDavid and Cassian, and then Cassian's goal was from Pouliot and Nugent Hopkins. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. The Oilers are 5-1 and one to start the season, and we have Hazen on the line. Hi, Hazen. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well. Uh, just uh, first of all, uh, congratulations to the Oilers for a big win on the big stage tonight there in Winnipeg. And uh, it's a question for you guys on Jesse uh, Pugliarvi's play. He's got a goal through four games. Um, big kid, big shot, going to be a crucial crucial piece to our top six, I believe, in the future. But uh, does he need time with the minors? Uh, probably, yeah. I, I think that he's shown spurts of what you expected of him or hoped from him. I think he's also shown stretches of looking like an 18-year-old kid who is probably in a little over his head right now. I, I mean, just comparing the two players tonight, Bulliarvi and Laney from from Winnipeg, they went 2-3 in the draft. Patrick Laney seems a little further ahead. He seemed yep. to be much more confident with the puck on his stick, uh, not afraid to, to try something. Else. He did get himself into trouble, and, and it was his fault on the Cassian goal. But he was much more noticeable. He's a guy that drives the bus. He he yep. can the entire he can take one shift, and it'll be his shift. Uh, and we haven't seen that so far uh, of Pulviarvi. So it's I, I think that if the Oilers are fully healthy then, yes, he's probably down in the minors, and I'm sure at some point this season you're going to see him down there. And he's going to be in and out of the lineup. But I, I, I believe he will be in the American Hockey League sometime within the next month. That's just my thought on it. He just, I think he just needs to, to continue to learn how to play the game at this level, and uh, he's, he, he looks 18 at times, and it, and it shows. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Thanks, Hazen. Thanks for calling. I, yeah, I mean, they're giving him every chance to prove himself, to practice in the mm-hmm. NHL. And as we've seen how Shirelli and McClellan and the rest of the coaching staff and other managers treat players, is it, it's it, like I think Todd McClellan might have said this once last year. He goes, you treat everybody fairly, but fairly doesn't mean equally. Nope. And they take into account, look, Pliari was drafted fourth overall. We want him on the team for 15 years or whatever. Or whatever. So he's not going to be treated the same as Anton Lander is now treated, right? So he will stick around a little longer and get all those opportunities. Now, while the team is 5-1, and one, you know, it's not a big deal if he has a – what did he play tonight? 12-59. I thought he – did he have four shots today? He did have four shots today. Yeah, he, he did. He, he, the one thing he's not afraid is to shoot the puck, and he does have a very quick shot. Uh, and eventually he's going to learn to put himself in a position for when he gets those shots, they're going to be goal-scoring positions. Right now he's shooting from everywhere, and he's just getting pucks on net. He's got to learn the little things, little parts of the game, and, and all young players do. Not There's very rare that young kids start in the NHL at 18. And Sometimes you see where a kid is drafted and say, oh, he's got to be here. Or so-and-so is playing on this team. He was drafted lower. He's playing in the NHL. It's all based on whatever team that player gets drafted to, and, and they are not drafting 18-year-olds 
on what they do today. They're, lo- they're drafting on him what they're going to do for a number of years. He will be fine. He's got all the tools. He just right now has to learn how to play at this level, whether that's learning up here or learning in the AHL. I'm sure the Oilers will do whatever is best for his long-term survival in this league. All right, we got Chuck on the line. Chuck, you're going to finish the play with us here in a second, but what's on your mind? Yeah, my observation tonight was that, especially in the third period, you remember last year when the puck would go in the corner, there would be two or three guys chasing it and somebody opened in front of the net. Tonight when the puck was, one guy was going after the puck, the other guy peeled off and took the guy behind him. And that's, uh, so that's how they played in the third period especially. I, I noticed that. And uh, that uh, saves a lot of grief. Yeah, you're right. The, this is a team still a work in progress, but they are making uh, strides in their own zone. Defensive zone coverage has been the Achilles heel of this Oilers team for a number of years. And they've gone through a couple of different types of defensive zone coverage. We went through the swarm for a little while that did not work. Uh, the Oilers are getting smarter. And, and for the first time, and we've talked about it many times, the first time the Oilers have had the same coach back-to-back years. And so that would mean the same systems. So if you learn one system, you're not relearning another one the following training camp. And I think it shows out there they're getting smarter in their own zone. All right, Chuck, you're going to finish the play. If you're right, you can qualify for the grand prize draw of $1,000 to Integra Tire Auto Center. Visit Integra Tire to experience service you can trust. Integra Tire experience integrity. Here we go. And the Jets able to reverse up the left-hand side. Chance for a clear. Morris will jam once, twice, but not out. Nugent Hopkins, high slot pass. Cassian a shot. All right, goal or no goal? That shot, yeah. Pardon me? Cassian scored on that shot. Let's find out. And the Jets able to reverse up the left-hand side. Chance for a clear. Morris will jam once, twice, but not out. Nugent Hopkins, high slot pass. Cassian a shot. Save made. Hellebuck. Oh, the diabolical Kellen Kennedy. Fools everybody. Is he ever mean, that tonight. Kellen? Wow. Chuck, we'll get you on finish the play again, though, buddy. That was a tough one by uh, by Kellen tonight. The Oilers do win 3-0. More time for your calls. 780-496-0063. You can also text... 6.30, 6.30, and we will bring you post-game reaction from Winnipeg as well. The Oilers win it! 3 nothing. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Terry Pranich Team Broadcast Center. Wheeler tries to sneak across, ice pass broken up by Latestu. He's got a short-handed breakaway. Left to right across the blue line between circles. Chris shot score! And Edmonton strikes first short-handed. It's Mark Latestu with the goal. His second of the year, his second short-handed goal of the year. And it's 1-0 Edmonton. Time, 9-24. So let's get this straight. Latestu had a short-handed breakaway goal against the Jets in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Game number two of the season against Cal. He had two breakaways. Mm-hmm. He was stopped on the even strength one, but he scored on the shorthanded one. And he has a shorthanded breakaway goal tonight against the Winnipeg Jets, and the Oilers win 3 nothing. Well, I guess you want to play more when you're shorthanded. I know what it is. It's you, the, the, the penalty killers, I know that uh, they were talking about it on the telecast on television tonight. The penalty killers are much more aggressive now, and you need to be. If you give talented players time and space, they're going to make the right plays. So they're being aggressive all over the place. And then you start looking at the ice tonight. It was bouncy. A lot of pucks were bouncing here here or there. If you're aggressive, you're going to get scoring chances. And that's why you see a Connor McDavid now penalty killing, a Nugent Hopkins penalty killing. He can change a game. A shorthanded goal is almost worth a goal and a half because it just completely deflates the opposition because they're thinking, we're on the power play. We're going to score a goal, and all of a sudden it's a negative one against you. And Latestu is another guy that... Uh, and I've said this before, get a niche. Get a, be good at something. And he's good at face-offs, which allows him to be a penalty-killing type of guy. He gets out there, and he's got enough offensive prowess in him that when he gets that breakaway, he can put the puck in the net. And we've seen it a number of times now since he's become an oiler. Uh, the Oilers' penalty-killing has become uh, a kill that scares the opposition a little bit. And, the, I mean, the Connor McDavid one, Nurse comes out of the box, but it still could have been a two-on-one shorthanded had Nurse not come out of the box because McDavid got, got away, another bobbled puck in the high, high slot, and all of a sudden the Oilers are going the other way. They're aggressive, and they're also thinking offense. When there's a turnover, they're taking off, and that makes for hopefully a much more effective penalty kill than we've seen in the last few years here. The Oilers have been shorthanded 23 times this season. They've allowed three power play goals against and have scored shorthanded twice. That's a pretty good uh, ratio right there. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Derek on the line. Hello, Derek. 
Hey, how you doing? Good. Good, good. I just wanted to say that I'm super impressed with the way the Oilers have been playing. I think that uh, any team they play against pretty much has their hands full because if, if McDavid's going to go out there and put up a point or two every single night, and then the defense, if you always play a pretty tight defensive game as well behind them, I think they have a shot against any team in the league. Like, not, not saying they're going to win every night, but I think every night they go out there, they have a, they have, they have a pretty good chance. Well, yeah, I, I don't know if they're world beaters yet, but I also think that there used to be times when a team would come in over the last number of years like, oh, this could get ugly. Or if the other team scored first, the game was over. You don't have that anymore. There's, there's optimism and, and there's belief. And the Oilers now believe they can win. And I, I think it's uh, even more so than that. Because always, they always would hear the Oilers talking, you know, between periods or before games. After You know, we believe we're better than we are. I think they actually, it's not even believe. I think they know that they can win hockey games now. And I think that's a huge step up. Believing is one thing, but knowing and having that confidence. that Yeah, you know what, I don't care if they score against. I don't care who they got on that lineup. We know that we're better than that. Yeah. You're not, I think guys like, like uh, uh, Lucci should have come in, have put that swagger in this Oiler team. Sorry to jump in there. Derek, I'm just going to leave you on the line here because I just want to tell you something I checked from last season. Because, look, we know this is a good stretch, and there's going to be rocky stretches like every team has. But last season, the Oilers only had three winning streaks of three games or longer. Two of them were exactly three. One of them was six. Absolutely. They had 11 winless streaks of three games or longer. So they might have had the odd overtime loss in there where they got a point. But 11 times the Oilers went three or more games without a win, and they only had three streaks to the positive. So, I mean, yeah, they're, they're going to lose. But, but you look at it and say, okay, maybe that's a loss where one or two things went wrong and they can get it back on track as opposed to it being a season killer. That's what I hope happens as they continue along here. Absolutely, and I think with Connor McDavid out there too, like when he's playing as consistent as it looks like he can play, then they always have that spark of hope. It's like, okay, if we're, if we're down a game or two, um, we have some players who can turn it around pretty quick and um, take some pressure off the rest of the team, and everybody's got to pull their weight. But I think with him, you have that glimmer of hope kind of leading you, right? He can make the play when he needs to make the play, get him back in the game and change the atmosphere, change the energy, you know? Well, Rob, you played with... Uh, we'll leave your line open here, Derek. Rob, you played with one of the best offensive players of long, all time, Mario Lemieux. Now, a different era because mm-hmm. there were more goals, but a, a, a Lemieux or a McDavid allows you the the luxury, and I don't mean that that you want to rely on it too much, but it relies you the luxury of being within a goal with five minutes left and maybe you haven't played that well but maybe that star player makes a game and you steal the odd point that way you know that'll probably happen a couple a couple times with McDavid this year well I think you take it a step further not losing by a goal but losing by a couple because they they have the ability to to break open a game they have the ability to take a game over and one mistake it's in the net and the Oilers the Oilers also I mean looking at their team this year the Oilers can play a bunch of different styles now they haven't been able to do that in the past. The others, if, uh, if Chicago came in and just wanted to play skilled against them, the others have had some success or fun games against the Blackhawks because the others could play a skilled game. But if the LA Kings or the Anaheim Ducks or the San Jose Sharks or the St. Louis Blues and they came in and they played heavy, well, then it wasn't going to be a good night for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, the Oilers now have got some heavy in their lineup. They got skill in their lineup. They got a defensive pairing that they feel can put out, they can put out against the other team's top players. They got a second unit that they feel comfortable that if something goes wrong, they can throw them out there to stem the tide. And they got a goalie that they can count on to make big saves when mistakes have happened. So the Oilers are not uh, a team that... You know, you're, you've already put on the top echelon of best teams in the league, but they're a team in the league that nobody's going to take for granted anymore. So, Derek, let me ask you this. Washington's coming to town. Do you think the Oilers need to try to, I mean, and do you think the Oilers have the ability to try to grind the Capitals and take Ovechkin and company out of the game that way? I think so. I think, you know, I think a couple of years ago, um, or, or maybe a team of the past with the Oilers. I think that uh, when you play a team that has such firepower like Ovechkin or, or the Sidney Crosby's, I think sometimes it's easy to get in this mentality where it's like, okay, well, what we need to do is shut down their offense and just hope that we can get a goal in. Or, you know, like you're a little bit on the defensive and you're reserved and you're trying to play like pretty tight hockey. But with, with Connor McDavid going head-to-head with Sidney Crosby or Alexander Ovechkin, 
I think that uh, I think that it gives the Oilers a lot more flexibility as far as them being able to play the different styles that you were talking about, um, rather than just playing a really tight game and then hoping they can pocket a hoping they can pocket a goal or two and then always relying on the goaltender to save the game as well, right? Well, I mean, in a good point by you, it's the Connor McDavid factor. It used to be when the Oilers would play one of the better teams in the league, say it'd be Crosby's Penguins, Ovechkin's Capitals, whoever. The Oilers could try they, their whole game plan would be stop Crosby, stop Ovechkin, stop Thornton, stop the Sedins. And if they had success against them, they were so focused on that, they would get beat by the other team's depth because the Oilers didn't have the depth that could compete. Well, the Connor McDavid factor, now you can put Connor McDavid out against anyone else in the world and feel comfortable, which now moves a dry saddle down to your second line. It moves a Nugent Hopkins down to your third line. And all of a sudden, you've got some depth. So now you feel comfortable that, okay, if McDavid and Crosby or McDavid and, and Ovechkin, if they go head-to-head and they saw each other off, well, now we're not getting beat by the, the Backstroms or by the Oshies or whoever they have playing down their lineup because we can still throw some players out there. And I think that's the biggest thing right now is the others. It, it's not only their depth, it's the type of depth they have. they got guys that can put the puck in the net on other lines other than McDavid. And I think that is huge because I don't know how many times in the past when the Oilers have had a line of Nugent Hopkins, Everly, and Hall. And if they did not win the hockey game for them, they did not win the hockey game. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Derek, thanks for calling. Oilers win 3 nothing over the Jets. Back to Winnipeg. Here's Mark Letestu. The whole moment, just being in a stadium, like all over with the puck. Uh, you know, maybe after you score. Uh, you know, not so much then at the moment. You're just thinking, you know, you get a chance to get yourself on the board, get the team going. So uh, there wasn't any wow moment when I got the puck. It was more just please score <laughs> something like that so put me in your skates after you score like what's that like, like... well it, especially the way the way the goal was uh you know it seemed like both teams was a feeling out process uh, we're waiting for that mistake somebody to jump on top so to finally kind of break the dam there uh you know under the circumstances being a shorthanded goal a uh, big swing of momentum uh, we get kind of three quick ones after that so uh, hopefully that was the one that got us going uh you know helped with the win was that, was that an outdoor ice hop I think so. Uh, that's that's not typical of of what you're going to get in, in every building. Uh, it was just one of those ones that was dancing on him. You know, I think he took two or three swipes at it, and the puck just kept dancing for him. So luckily, it you know settled down enough for me to get a, a good shot off when I got down there. How does it feel like to be able to be the guy who kind of spurs the team on? I mean, he never looks to Connor or to Milan or or Everly, but uh, you know, for you to get that goal, it kind of seemed to. Like get you guys going. Yeah, I think I think when you're every year in the special team situation, you know, in the kill, you're not necessarily looking to score goals, but maybe get a big block shot, big kill, something to get the team sparked. Uh, tonight it just happened to, to get a bounce where we were able to get a goal. Uh, and then the three goals, you know, they all kind of come quickly. Uh, so, you know, hopefully it was what got the guys going, uh, maybe put them back on their heels, but it was it was a big goal. You got any special moves on those breakaways or whatever's there? Uh, that I... Used the same move on him in preseason, had a short hand of breakaway. Uh, so I just went back to the well. Uh, you know, fortunately enough, she went in again. So uh, one of those things where you're just trying to take what he gives you, you know, and there just happened to be some room there. What is the most memorable goal of your career? I don't mean biggest. Just like no, you know, I've had I've had one in the playoffs, which was which was you know for me uh, big. Uh, but, you know, on the stage, I know a lot of people at home are watching this. This game's, you know, broadcast coast to coast, so uh, I'm sure my phone's going to be full of text messages. So maybe memorable in that way. Uh, but I've certainly scored bigger goals in my career. Leading scorer in the Alberta Junior Hockey League in 2005-2006, MVP of the league that year as well. He scored. Now, hasn't she doesn't translate to being a high scorer at this level. It's just, it's just funny hearing the questions, I think, from Winnipeg Media, as if Mark Letestu's never been on a breakaway before. Trust me, when he played in the AJ, he got a lot of open looks. A lot of open looks, and he probably capitalized on a lot of them as well. Yeah, he was a prolific scorer. Now, but you mentioned, though, Rob's finding a skill set, mm-hmm. and he's he's example number one. He was a, a star in the AJHL till he was 20, though. Then he went to the NCAA, and then he got a chance in the Penguins minor league organization. I think it was Todd Richards coaching him in the minor league. said, look, you got a chance maybe to play pro for a long time, maybe in the NHL, but you're going to have to learn from the guys around you, 
And it's not that he wasn't working hard, but work harder, work smarter, find new details in your game to excel at. Well, and I, he did it. I think that you talked about new details. I mean, if you're in the Pittsburgh Penguin organization, you look at their top roster, well, you're an offensive player. You're not going to crack that lineup. You're not going to be a center in the NHL in Pittsburgh because you're not good enough offensively to knock those guys out. But if you're smart enough, you can learn to play a different type of role. And a great example, there's a kid in Florida right now named Derek McKenzie. I played with him in the minors. He's a world junior kid. He was a great, he was a good goal scorer in the Ontario Hockey League. He wanted to be a goal scorer at the National Hockey League level. And I'm with him in the minors, and I'm like, Mac, you're not, you're not good enough offensively. And he'd always been an offensive player, but he, you're not good enough. Learn to kill penalties. Learn to take face-offs. Took him a while. He's now the captain of the Florida pa- Panthers. A guy that probably not many people know of, yet he's a guy that just continued to work on the smaller things in his game. And that's what a Latestu does. Just works on the smaller thing. We had a guy here, Cal- Cogliano, and it took him longer. He kept thinking he could be a top six forward. They, he finally figured it out that he wasn't str- I mean, the top six forwards are good. So unless you can knock one of those guys out, find something else you're good at. And some of these players have done that. Mark Latest, who's a great example, good penalty killer. He can win face-offs. You're always going to find time on a team for that. And maybe Lander will turn out to be another example. I mean, we were encouraged a couple of years ago when he had that great spurt under Todd Nelson. Maybe that wasn't really him. But Lander tonight wins six of seven face-offs. And Latestu wins 10 of 15. And they often just go whichever side it's on, so they're drawing it on their back end. And, and that's why those two are in the lineup. Because the, the Oilers' top centermen are not great yet at winning face-off. Nugent Hopkins is always He's struggling. struggling. Yep. He's struggling again. Uh, I think of the of all of them, I think Drysaddle has the best opportunity because of his size, but still not there. And neither is Connor. So you need guys to win face-offs at important times in games. So all of a sudden you... That's why Lander got back in the lineup. Simply, they needed some more guys to win faceoffs, especially from the left side. He's done that, and he stayed in the lineup. Oilers beat the Jets 3-0. Zach Cassian had a goal. You'll hear from him when we get back. Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. The Canadian Brewhouse from the Terry Peranich Team Broadcast Center. Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. The verdict tonight in the Heritage Classic. One we had to wait for. <laughs> a long time. The game started almost two hours after the original start time because of there being too much sunshine in Winnipeg. But once it got going, the Oilers outplayed in the first period, but they stayed in it, and then they get three in the second period to beat the Jets 3-0, and one of the goals was scored by Zach Cassian. Well, the two points was the key, but uh, how cool was the experience? And then uh, what can you say about the way you guys played tonight? Yeah, it was pretty special. I think uh, the delay, uh, the boys wanted to get out there right away, but the delay obviously put a damper on things. But uh, once things got underway, uh, walking out there was pretty special, and uh, I know all the guys enjoyed it. Conditions-wise, did you guys have to simplify the way you move the puck and handle it and kind of I, I, to be honest the ice was really really good it got a little snowy as the as the period went on but all in all um the ice was great um fans were fun and uh it was a great experience to be a part of not so much yeah it was just another game but just the the scenery with with playing outside got a little chilly in the third with as the sun's going down but uh, all in all, it, it wasn't just another game. It was outdoors, but um, it was it was fun fun atmosphere. Um, uh, it was kind of we were kind of lucky we didn't get to, to hear uh, the crowd get too wild if the Jets scored. And the, the fact that you get a goal in this special. Uh, that's just icing on the cake. I think going into it, you want to enjoy this, enjoy the experience as much as you can. But most importantly, uh, you want to get two points. Um, when you're playing well as a team and and things are going well, it's it's a fun game to be a part of, and especially when you walk away with two points. That's uh, Zach Cassian who scored in the second period after Latestu and Nurse had made it two nothing. And Armswar texts in and says, One thing I'm noticing the last two games, the Oilers are playing a stiffer game compared to years past while still having a bit of finesse. Interesting to see if they can keep this up consistently. For sure, that's the big question mark. But like Rob was talking about earlier, a little more balance in the lineup. And, well, you know, we even saw it when Lucic helped get that empty net goal against Calgary winning the board battle. And there were a few instances today, and it's not always pretty, but wingers being able to just kind of force the puck up the wall and get it out. Now, sometimes the other team gets it, mm-hmm. but they're getting it at their own blue line instead of the Oilers' blue line. And, and you're seeing the team being a little 
you know, like McClellan has said, playing the other team's equipment over top of the puck and sometimes, you know, just, just nudge it out, just get it out, make the other team reset. Well, sometimes skill can win you a hockey game. And you can go through the whole day and you just outskill the other team. But it's harder and harder to do that. And if you're top end skilled, there's nights where you're skilled, the puck doesn't bounce for you. So you must be prepared to play a different kind of game. And the Oilers now have players that can play a little tougher. They can play a little more physical. They can win the battles on the boards. And some, it's not always pretty. And the Oilers are 5-1 and one on the season. All five wins have not been pretty. But they've found ways to win. So I think that the makeup of this team is much better. I think there's, pro- there's going to be more tweaks as the season goes along. But I-, I think that you're starting to see the way that Peter Shirelli and Todd McClellan want this team to play. And it's it's not all pretty goals. Some of them are going to be ugly. And uh, they'll be off the forecheck. They'll be off the cycle. They'll be off turnovers. And if they continue to do that, the, the success will keep coming and the players will keep buying in. And right now it is one where if one guy, one line has a night off, someone else is picking them up and secondary scoring is coming through at big moments. And really all the goals tonight were off turnovers. A couple mm-hmm. were in the Oilers' end, but they zipped down and were able to put it in. Just quickly before we wrap up, Bean says Cassian has found a new home. Good for him. Extend him. Hey, you know what? If you're, if you're the general manager of a team, Nothing wrong with having guys on one-year contracts hoping they get another one. I wouldn't be extending anybody on October 23rd. No, I Maybe agree. a bit of a meanie there, Rob. But. Uh, well, no, I, as a player, you want you want the safety. You really do. You want the long term. But when you, I mean, for years, you always saw, you could tell when a guy was on the last year of his contract, he's playing for his livelihood. And uh, as a player, you play for your livelihood and you have to play well enough eventually you're going to get the safety at the end of that season. All right, so the Oilers win 3 nothing over the Winnipeg Jets. They are 5-1 and one on the season. You can get more on 630Ched.com. We have a page specifically dedicated to the Edmonton Oilers. Rob, great stuff, buddy. I will see you Wednesday. Sounds good. Wednesday's our next broadcast. Capitals at Oilers. That should be a good one. 6 o'clock face-off show, 7.30 for the drop of the puck. Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8 tomorrow night. The Eskimo show show with Morley Scott is from 8 to 9 as they break down their loss to BC and look ahead to the game against Hamilton. Thanks to our studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. Thanks to everybody who tuned in. Turned out to be extended coverage because of the late start of the Heritage Classic in Winnipeg. The Oilers take it. 3-0 over the Jets. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.